Robert Graham, BranderApp.com, and I'm on the App Guy Podcast. The App Guy Podcast. Straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy. Sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. The App Guy Podcast. And now, Paul, the App Guy. Yeah, welcome to another episode of the App Guy Podcast. I am your host, it's Paul Kemp, the App Guy, and I'm thrilled to be able to uh, be joined tonight by a wonderful guest. We're going to learn an enormous amount from him. I I feel that we've uh, got a good episode ahead of us, so uh, let me introduce our guest. His name is Leslie Samuel, and he is the owner of uh, becomeablogger.com, and you'll notice when um, he starts to speak that he he is a podcaster. He's got a podcast which you should look up called Learning with Leslie. And uh, it's just a really warm welcome to you, Leslie, on the App Guy podcast. Uh, no problem, man. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, it's just wonderful that you could join us and uh, and spend some time on the App, uh, App Guy podcast. We've got um, a lot of questions for you. We're going to try and pick your brain and learn as much as we can because there's enormous amounts of crossover that I'm sure that you could um, teach us. So that perhaps we could start why, by uh, you telling us just who you are and uh, what it is you're getting up to. Well, as you mentioned, my name is Leslie Samuel. I blog over at becomeablogger.com. I actually have two blogs. Um, One is becomeablogger.com, and I have a biology blog because I'm passionate about biology. Imagine that. And um, I started that blog maybe at the beginning of 2011. I, I started blogging in 2008, and I am someone that just believes in using blogs for building your platform, getting your message out there, establishing your expertise and all that stuff. I'm also, well, my full-time job is a university professor. Uh, And I was able to land that job as a university professor because of the blog that I built, my biology blog. Um, And that's an uh, interesting, long story. But um, the main thing is, I'm a blogger. I love blogging because it's a way for you to get your voice out there. I, I believe in creating content to inspire others and even change the world. And I think that we all have the ability to do that. And blogging is a good way to do it. So that, that's a little bit about who I am. I'm, I'm married to one wife. I, we have one little son. <laughs> and um, he's, he's not feeling very well today. But um, he's a joy to, to, to have in our family. And um, we're just excited. It sounds like you're, you're doing uh, great there. And... Uh, I, I did have an, uh, a guest on a previous episode that uh, had written an app called Commit, and he committed to writing 1,000 words a day, and he's nice. he's up to about six or 700 uh, days. So, um, oh wow! I, I do think that apps are helping bloggers by doing things like that, by helping uh, because one of the it must be one of the hardest things to keep going. And and how do you keep the discipline to just keep blogging? You know, that's a good question because what you mentioned there that that guy um, is doing and he's been doing it for a while. I've tried doing that a few times and I failed miserably. <laughs> I, you know, I'd go for a few days, but, you know, life just kind of gets in the way sometimes. You're busy with everything else. I, I have a full-time job, as I mentioned, and 
I am a, a, I'm, I'm, I have a family. Um, so that takes a significant amount of time. But, you know, when it comes down to it, it, it it's all based on the question, what do you value? What, what's a priority in your life? And for me, a priority is, you know, doing something that can have an impact. And this is one way that I can do it. And when I get messages from people all over the world letting me know what my content is doing for them, that motivates me to do it even more. Um, so a big part of it is just seeing the effect that it's having. And as a result of that, I, I'm motivated to make even more content and to you know, put out that blog post or record that podcast episode, do that interview to get more content out there to help more people. And I love the fact that you know you are treating it as almost like giving back because um, it has impact on your life. And uh, I'd love to dig a little bit deeper about how you got your professorship uh, based on your blog. Uh, how did that happen? Well, okay, so this is what happened, right? When I when I was doing my masters, I was doing my masters with the intention on going on for a PhD so that I could teach at a university. That's what I wanted to do. I was passionate about that, um, but. I started doing my master's and I was doing some research um, in a lab. I was, my master's is in neurobiology. Um, so I was studying one neuron in a cricket. And right. I was dissecting this cricket and recording from that neuron sometimes for 16 hours in a day. And I just got fed up. I don't care that much about doing the research. And I knew that if I were to continue with the PhD, then I would have to do a ton more research. So I, I kind of gave up on that dream. I started teaching in high school. But at a certain point, I started feeling this urge. Man, I wish I was teaching that higher level content. So I decided, you know what? I will teach that content. I'm going to teach it on my blog. And I started a blog. The blog started to grow. You know, people are using it all over the world. And when the opportunity came for me to apply for a professor job, um, it didn't make sense for me to apply because I wasn't qualified. But when I went in and they saw what I was doing online, they pretty much offered me the job almost immediately after the interview um, because my blog, no, no one else had that. Yeah, the other, the other 29 or so candidates had PhDs and doctorate degrees and so on. I didn't have that, but I had demonstrated with my blog that I was someone that was passionate about teaching and passionate about the content. So they gave me the job. Well, I'm pleased that we have uh, you as a professor on. You're, you're one of two that has been on the show before. We had uh, an episode, uh, I think it was 21. Uh, it was Andrew Dubber. He is a professor of music innovation. And, uh, oh, cool. <laughs> uh, so I feel like we're raising the bar here on the podcast uh, by, by getting professors on. That's awesome. <laughs> what, uh, I mean, we're talking about content marketing and, you know, you're talking to a bunch of indie app developers and uh, business owners, entrepreneurs. Uh, it, how important is it to create some kind of online profile and, and, and how do you get your inspiration for all the content that you deliver via that? Uh, perhaps you can give us some insights into how you work. Okay, so how important is it in my mind in 2014? It is crucial. I mean, if you're trying to get exposure, you're trying to get stuff out there, and that can be an app, it can be a concept, it can be um, just information that you're passionate about, whatever that is, content sells, quite frankly. Um, and the more content you have out there, the more entry points people have to come to whatever it is you have to offer. So I'm an app developer, and let's say I am creating a productivity app. 
Well, if I create a bunch of content about productivity, people that are searching for that type of content hopefully will find my blog. And when they find my blog and they see, hey, not only do I talk about productivity and give them great tips and great advice, I also have this app that they can use to be more productive. So the, the, the content thing, I think that is so crucial in this digital age where everyone goes to Google to search for everything or they come to YouTube to search for stuff. And, you know, you know to have that content out there is a way to get people to whatever it is you're selling, whatever you're giving away, whatever you're pushing, blogging, content is a great way to do it. I love how you use that example of a productivity app developer because we had on episode 57 uh, Alex uh, Jenedinik and he, he was uh, an app developer and he created a productivity app, in fact four of them, and, and he uh, really said that his success was based on content marketing and uh, he he was using Udemy. Have you um, come across Udemy and have you yes, used that? Yes, definitely. Right. Uh, would you recommend using it? Are you selling courses in there? or? or? I am so close to selling courses in there, but I'm not there yet. I, I have everything uploaded and ready to go. I just need to, you know, finalize a few things. But yeah, I think it's a great platform. There's so much that you can learn there. Um, so it's something that people can take advantage of. Now, do you happen to reuse your content? I mean, if you're putting a lot of effort into blogs, uh, do, you, do you recycle that in any way and um, reuse that in other platforms or perhaps for podcasts or... Or, you know, perhaps you can give us some insight into uh, reusing the content that you're putting out there. Most definitely. I think that's a great way to, um, you know, if you're putting content out there, you might as well use it in as many ways as possible. Uh, so, for example, in my biology blog, I'm creating content um, where, for example, I'd have a video that where I'm explaining one particular concept in biology. Um, and I made a lot of that content. And then I said, you know what, I'm going to package this content into an ebook and sell it. So the same content that's available for free on my blog, I packaged it in a convenient way and I sell it on my blog for $34.95. And I've had hundreds of people go through and buy that ebook. If I had just take that content and just leave it out there in that one format, it wouldn't have made me that much money. But because I repackaged it in a way um, that people were willing to pay for, then you know I made a significant amount of money with it. I love that story. And, uh, you know, I'm sure there's people listening now who could uh, take inspiration from the fact that we're producing all this content, creating this content for free, but ultimately you can, uh, you know, repackage that and put it into an ebook. I mean, it's pretty obvious that people do like paying for stuff. I mean, there's free music everywhere, uh, you know, that you can easily download uh, illegal music quite happily. Um, but people pay um, quite a lot of money for Spotify to iTunes to buy music and that's because I guess it's easy to access uh, and that that's the key right there it being easy to access someone you know I've had people say you know why in the world would anyone pay for stuff that's available for free well you know quite frankly they don't want to necessarily have to come back to the blog and and go through all the content just to find what they need if they have it packaged in a way that they can download it to their computer and they can have access to it right there, they're willing to pay for that convenience. People pay for convenience. So this is the App Guide podcast. We love talking about apps. We love trying to uh, come up with new app ideas and uh, explore uh, you know, pain points and, and have potential solutions. So maybe we could just talk a little bit about uh, if there's any pain points in either your business 
or something that you feel we could explore and and maybe get an app idea out of it. So have a think about you know what what's really frustrating you at the moment or uh, stuff that's that perhaps could be you know easily packaged and, and put it into an app and uh, we can come up with some app ideas. Huh, that's a that's an interesting question. Not one that I've thought about. Um, but in terms of pain points that I might have in my business right now, just managing everything. I mean, there, you know, so there are a bunch of different apps uh, that you can use, like Basecamp, and um, um, I use uh, Wonderlist and Evernote and so on. But you know, it it I'm always trying new things, just trying to figure out what's gonna work best for me. Um, especially in terms of managing my team. Um, so, you know, I, in terms of pain points that I could think of right now, that's the biggest thing that I can, um, that comes to mind. Yeah, so really then it's, uh, we have all these different methods of accumulating information and managing our team. And uh, so, you, you know, you mentioned Basecamp there and uh, Evernote. Perhaps it would be great if there was an amalgamation of all that. Uh, so yeah, that that's what I was going to say. Yeah, what if there was one app that I went to to manage my business, to manage my team, to manage the content that I'm creating, to manage the, the things that my, my audience need, I mean, my um, team needs to do. Um, and it's all in one place. I don't have to jump into Google Docs. I don't have to jump into Evernote and uh, for different reasons and so on. I could have it all in one place. That would actually be kind of awesome i mean it would take a ton to develop it i would imagine but that would be quite handy well if you're listening out there and you you feel that you could uh, rise to the challenge of uh, what we've set you then perhaps there's an app idea for you there and i think hey and then let me know <laughs> <laughs> well look at the you know look at evernote that's one of uh, people's favorite apps and i remember when i first started using evernote it was just so complicated it just really couldn't mm -hmm. figure it out it's uh, you know, slowly more, more and more times we're using it and it just becomes easier and easier. And then suddenly it becomes so much ingrained in, in, in the work that you do and part of your life that you just can't live without. Uh, and that's that's interesting how the, an app can pull you along and give you things that you didn't realize that you actually were suffering from. Definitely. So um, let's talk then about your, your phone. You, you Again, we love talking about apps. You have a phone there, I believe, an Android phone. I do have an Android phone. What's on your home screen? What apps do you like to use? What's on my home screen? Um, okay, so when I look here, I see I have um, different folders. So of course I have my social folder where I have like Facebook and Twitter, Google Plus and Skype and a bunch of those types of things. Hangouts, Snapchat, Foursquare, Instagram, <laughs> BBM, Pages Manager. Um, that's in my social folder. Then right next to that, I have my entertainment folder that has Spotify, Hulu Plus, Pandora, Netflix, YouTube, Audible, TED, and, and Play Music. Um, then I have my business folder. And in that, I have PayPal, Google Analytics, Basecamp, PayPal Here, um, Square, Register, Mint, HipChat, Trello, GetResponse. And I can go on. I have a bunch of apps. I don't know how, how, how much longer you want me well, to continue. Well, I mean, first of all, you feel like I feel like we're, got, we're in the presence of an expert here. Um, you, <laughs> you seem so well organized with all these folders and uh, for social and for business. <laughs> it's not that I'm an expert. It's that if I don't organize it, then I won't know what in the world I'm doing. 
<laughs> you know, I just thought uh, of another app idea would be, uh, wouldn't it be great to just try and figure out uh, what apps you're using the most? You know, have some kind of report oh. that, uh, you know, that you could quite easily see at a glance uh, which ones are the most important to you and which ones that just stay there and, and don't get ever used. Um, or what if, um, based on your usage, and this won't be um, possible on, a, on an iPhone, I don't think, but on an Android, based on your usage, it just automatically places the most valuable apps to you in the most valuable places on that home screen. There you go. That, that's a great idea. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> this is what's so great about the App Guy podcast. We just come up with all these ideas. and uh, There you go. I like it. <laughs> uh, you know, there was one app you mentioned that we don't get here in the UK. I'd love to try and uh, figure that one out. It's called Square. Is that the payment app? Yeah, that's the payment app. So you get like this um, card reader that you plug into your um, headset jack. And then you can just swipe your card and, you know, you, you can accept payments right there. It's kind of similar to PayPal here. Uh, it does the same exact thing. See, we don't even get PayPal here here in the oh, UK. Yeah. Uh, so we're, far, we're so far behind. I mean, it took us two to three years to get Uber in London. Um, so, uh, oh, wow. uh, yeah, so we're a little bit uh, on the back end of uh, getting these uh, wonderful apps. Gotcha. So, uh, are you saying that as a merchant, are you selling things and taking payment by Square, or are you using Square as a method of paying to other merchants who happen to take that as a as a form of payment? You are the merchant, um, so you can plug. If you plug it into your phone, I can accept credit cards from anyone anywhere, and then the next day it gets deposited directly into my bank account. So, so uh, what are you selling then? I'm not selling anything. <laughs> okay. It, but if you want to give me money, I can take it. <laughs> yeah, it, you know, for me, it's just a matter of convenience. I've actually had a few friends that needed to give me some money for something. Like we might be out and we're um, at a restaurant and uh, we, on, we only have cards. So I'd pay with my card and then they would just swipe it and give me their part of it. Oh, I see. So there's no um, monthly fee then that you pay to Square? No. Right. Yeah, you just pay per transaction, kind of similar to PayPal. Oh, I see. No wonder it's so popular. Well, I, I really, uh, if anyone from Square is listening, then please uh, bring that to the UK and uh, we really want that app. Uh, there you go. <laughs> you know, there's another, there's another idea. Uh, you know, we're, we're talking, I'm talking to you from the UK, you're in the US. Whereabouts in the US are you? I'm in Michigan. Right, Michigan. Yeah, that's a, a fairly cold up there, isn't it? I think. Uh, oh, man, don't remind me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I still have to go outside. I don't want to think about yeah. it. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it is a little bit like, um, I guess, when I was growing up in the 80s, uh, that it took ages for things from the US to come over to the UK. And even though we're in this uh, global world with the uh, access to unlimited information uh, that's, that's available anywhere, we still, it takes time for these Silicon Valley hits to come through to... Uh, to, to us you know I mentioned Uber already and Square we're still waiting for and um, PayPal here uh -huh. so maybe um, yeah maybe the, the app developers need to, to perhaps think about third party apps that, that bring those services to other parts of the world that are not getting it you know there's one thing that I've used um, because I do travel outside the US and a, a number of features that we use here in the US aren't available in other countries so what I have to do is I have to make my phone act as if I'm in the U.S. So I use this thing called the fake GPS. Um, like, for example, I, I needed to take a square payment when I was in Colombia. 
but it told me, I'm sorry, it's not available in your country. So I did a search and then I found this fake GPS thing that put me back in the US on my phone. And then I could just, you know, accept payments normally. I love that. Uh, that is great. Fake GPS. Um, what fake a- GPS. I think that was the name of it. Uh, you do a little bit of traveling. I mean, you just come back from somewhere, I believe. You've just flown in. Yeah, I just came back from San Diego. I was at a social media marketing conference out there. Right, yeah. We had one of the speakers on, um, actually, in an earlier episode. Uh, oh, cool. To, um, uh, Brandy Sweezy uh, from uh, brandysweezy.com about Google Hangouts. Ah, sweet, sweet. Yeah, and uh, so let's talk about traveling then with your uh, smartphone and uh, traveling abroad especially. How do you get on with uh, getting internet access when you're uh, out? And also, you know, your payment plans for your mobile. Is it quite uh, expensive when you're traveling to use data? I don't don't use data. If I'm traveling, I use Wi-Fi. Um, so that's not an issue. I don't, I don't want to get into all the fees that we get charged <laughs> when it comes to yeah. um, roaming charges and data charges and so on. However, I did hear just recently when I went to San Diego, I went to visit some other friends um, that was in, they were in Loma Linda, California, and they were telling me that T-Mobile makes it so that there are, like I think, 120 different countries that you can travel to and just use your data there without an issue. So I'm actually looking into switching to T-Mobile depending on whether it works well where I am right now. Yeah, they're doing, are they doing unlimited data as well? I know that we get unlimited data yep. in the UK. Right. Yeah, they're doing unlimited data. And the prices in comparison to what I'm paying with AT&T are, are much less. So I'm strongly considering switching. If I'm, outside, if I'm out of my contract, I will definitely be doing that. Yeah, you know, one of the big burdens I find, because I've just come back four months in Dubai, uh, is that when, when we go to these foreign countries, uh, we, we have, we're, I'm just juggling these uh, SIM cards, trying to put SIM cards in and, and, and out, and, uh, you know, trying to get a pay-as-you-go SIM card, so it means that I can have a data plan in a local country. Uh, I just, yeah. I feel like with phones, it just feels really uh, old-fashioned to be having a SIM card. I mean, surely... We, I know. Uh, you know, and and that's, some, that's something I do too because I travel to, uh, when I go to St. Martin, which is where I'm originally from, I, I mean, I have a SIM card right now in my wallet for St. Martin. So when I go there, then I switch that out and then I can use my phone there locally. I don't have a data plan, but I can, um, I, you know, I can make calls and I can accept calls. Fortunately, they have free incoming calls in St. Martin. So it, it makes it quite convenient. <laughs> right. <laughs> the, um, so... Before we say goodbye, I'm, I'm just um, wondering, there's so many different strategies we can talk about and marketing strategies and how you get your traffic. Perhaps you can pick some of your favorite um, you know, methods of attracting people to your blog uh, and, and, and talk about those. Um, you know, give us some insight into, into how you uh, get so much traffic to your blog. Yeah, let, let's go with my biology blog because that's the one that gets the most traffic right now. I get about 60,000 people a month. Um, and what I did, there were a few things that I did. Well, there are a lot of things that I did. I didn't pay for any traffic. Um, but when I started, the main thing that I focused on was YouTube. I created very helpful YouTube videos that were very simple, straightforward, easy to follow. I, I was very you know, descriptive in my titles and my description. Uh, you know, a lot of people, they would put up a video on YouTube and the name of the video would be something like video one. Well, that doesn't say anything about what it is. Um, but if I 
if I create a, a, a video that says um, the, the function of a neuron or something of that sort, you know exactly what it is. When people go and they search for it in YouTube, because YouTube is the number two search engine in the world, um, the chances of me appearing are going to be significantly higher than the person that's talking about the same thing, but they are calling it video two. You know? So YouTube was a big thing for me. With YouTube, what I did, I told you about the descriptions, but I made sure to have a link back to my blog in the description, and I made sure at the end of each video to say, hey, if you want more resources like this, make sure to visit my blog, and I give them the URL. So there's always that call to action to get back to the blog. So for me, YouTube was the first big thing to kind of get me out there. Um, the second thing I did is once I had a good amount of content, I started to contact other bloggers in my niche that are doing big things. But I didn't do it in a way where um, I was saying, hey, I have this blog and I want you to promote it to your audience. To me, that's like one of the dumbest things you can do. If this person has an audience, it's because they worked for that audience. And you can't just take that lightly. So when I contact these people, I always contacted them from the perspective of, hey, I love what you're doing. And if there's anything that I can do to help you out, let me know. Or actually, I'd get even more specific. I would say, hey, this last thing that you did, this post that you did on XYZ was great. I see you're trying to do XYZ. And I am very experienced with that. Do you want any help with that? And I would offer myself first and nurture a relationship with that person. And almost all of the time I, when I did that, they end up, ended up being the one to promote me. Um, so I find, I think that the easiest way to get traffic is to get it from people that already have it. But don't approach those people with, this is what you can do for me. Approach them from a perspective of how can I help you? How can I be of value for you? And not just how can, let them know specific ways that you can help them out. And that, to me, goes a long way. I, I can go on forever, so I don't know how much you want. Well, Leslie, first of all, that is just a golden nugget of information because, um, you know, we're app developers. We have uh, unique talents in our specific fields. And, uh, you know, there are a lot, a lot of bloggers out there who perhaps have app ideas and uh, may want to develop those apps. Uh, and, you know, of course, that's a perfect way of approaching these people and just offering our services and it's just such a valuable lesson i think that uh, that we're taking away from this what can i give first before what can i get from this relationship certainly exactly especially for app developers because this whole mobile movement that's happening now it's huge and quite frankly a lot of us bloggers don't really know what we're doing where that's concerned so if you have if you're trying to get you know to nurture a relationship with a blogger Come to them with something that's of value, a way that you can help them. Um, something, if they have a pain point, just like you asked me what my pain point is, don't just ask them what their pain point is. Look through what they're doing. Study what they're doing and figure it out. And once you figure the, that out, if it really is a pain point, they're going to be looking for a solution. And if you come to them in a genuine way wanting to help them with that, the chances are that they're going to respond to you much better than someone that says, and I get these emails every day. Someone that comes and say, hey, I have this great app and I think your audience would love it. 
Who cares? Everybody has a great app. I mean, I mean there's so many great apps <laughs> yeah. out there. People treat this online stuff as if it's so different from life offline. No. People want to help people um, that they have a relationship with. And if a random stranger comes up to you on the street, I think that's the best analogy. If a random stranger comes up to you on the street and asks you to, you know, if they can babysit your child, that's not going to happen. It, it, and, and that's what we're doing when we just send these random emails saying, hey, I am awesome and I want you to just love me or something of that sort. <laughs> it's not going to It's not going to work. Approach it the same way you approach offline relationships. Nurture a relationship first. Give first, get after. And if you don't get, hey, it's all good because it's all about, you know, making this world a better place. That's the way I look at it. Well, I love that analogy that uh, someone on the street comes up and asks to babysit your uh, child. You just say no. Because, you know, building an audience is like our, our baby in the first place. You know, it's, it takes a lot of hard work and a lot of um, effort. And you're right, you know, if, if some stranger comes along and just uh, wants uh, a little post, then um, that, that could be quite in, uh, just off-putting to the relationship. Exactly. Uh, of course, a bigger search engine as well. well um, and you mentioned um, Google and uh, YouTube being the second biggest one. There's a couple of big ones out there uh, that are apps, app stores. Um, app Store is, uh, you know, the Apple Store and the Google Play Store are huge search engines. People are now searching within those uh, for answers to their questions. And um, I think a lot of the lessons you've just shared are uh, really important for app store optimization as well, uh, which is starting to be called ASO. And, uh, you know, like getting uh, correct titles for the apps, getting the keywords correct and uh, appealing. Uh, that could be valuable lessons for, for us as app developers. Most definitely. I mean, iTunes is huge. Google Play is huge. Um, so, yeah, just being very specific and very detailed about the problem that you're solving and you'd be surprised. Leslie, it's been a real pleasure, and uh, I know that we're running short on time, but perhaps you could uh, give us a, a way of reaching out and connecting with you. Yeah, the best way if you're trying to connect with me, just come to becomeablogger.com. You'll find everything else there. You can connect with me on um, Twitter. My, my username there is Leslie Samuel, and on Facebook is Become a Blogger. So just, you know, just come to Become a Blogger, and you'll find links to everything else. Well, it's been a wonderful experience. I've really enjoyed having a chat with you. Um, thanks for coming on the App Guide podcast. Um, we'd love to have you back at some point. And uh, I feel like we need to dig into your phone a little bit more and get some more of those app recommendations. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so. Hey, not a problem, man. Just let me know and we'll, we'll make it happen. Terrific. Thanks. Uh, it's been wonderful, Leslie. Appreciate it. And, and see you soon. All right. Take care. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode. If you want to be a guest on the show or suggest someone, then please send an email to info at onemob.com. The App Guy Podcast.